You are listening to Tell It From Calvary, a ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, New York City, where we preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. The following sermon is by Dr. Ed Stetzer, author, missiologist, and interim teaching pastor at Calvary. For upcoming events and services, visit our website at cbcnyc.org. And now, here is today's message. Hey everybody, Ed Stetzer here, and uh, we're continuing our series through the book of Matthew, and uh, we're calling him Matt now, we know him well enough, but what we're going to talk about today is a uh, higher standard, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so obviously today what our topic is going to be is around Jesus' comments about about, uh, truthfulness, about, in this case, not swearing oaths, right? So this is what we're going to be looking at right here. It's a higher standard of the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And Matthew 5, verses 33 through 37 will be our text. We'll get to that in just a moment. But don't we live in a world where scams have just become normal, right? Um, they, they just kind of become the thing. Uh, there's uh, people making up things, people, um, I mean, gosh, I mean, I get on my cell phone. If I got, I mean, you could just scroll down. I got like today, two or three things that... If I just click this, uh, I think my I can't paste, post on Facebook anymore until I click this link. I'm like, okay, nope. And the other day, I'm flipping through television, and there's a TV show called Catfish, which I thought was, uh, I watched for about five minutes of it, so I'm not recommending it. But it appears that there are people who are pretending to be somebody else online, and they have a romance uh, with a fake profile to attract victims. Um, so all this sort of stuff kind of kind of is happening, and I mean, think about all the scams. We've got mail fraud, business fraud, charity fraud, disaster fraud, credit card fraud, elderly fraud, funeral fraud, healthcare fraud, internet fraud, investment fraud. Um, it goes on and on and on. And so what do all these things have in common? Fraud. Fraud. Uh, fraud is the wrongful or criminal deception intended to result in a financial or personal gain, kind of official definition. And then there's Ponzi schemes, right? Romance schemes, host of other things. If you ever question depravity, just talk to an elderly person who's lost a fortune to fraud. They're all far too many stories to tell. So this begs the question, right? This causes us to ask, in a world so given to deception, to falsehood, and to bearing false witness, how can a disciple of Jesus pursue truth in our world? So Jesus actually gives us a higher standard of truth-telling in this passage today. So let's look to Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5, 33 through 37, as we continue our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. Let's take a look, right? Here, here's, the, here's the passage. It says, um, again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not fare, swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven for it's the throne of God, or by earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of a great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one one hard white, for you cannot make one hard white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no, anything more than this comes from evil. Now, this is, there's a lot of cultural context here that is 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 worth explaining, but it's not so essential to understand the point, right? Your let your yes be yes, and your no be no. 
has to do with integrity, right? So, but those in religious leadership in Jesus' day, scribes and the Pharisees, right, were advancing ways in which people could make an oath and then back out of it, right? And Jesus rebuts that kind of nonsense, really, and gives his followers a better righteousness by which uh, to follow. So that's what we're talking about, recurring theme, a better righteousness. So today, a common way we do this is to overcommit and then back out, saying we, um, you know, we, we took on too much and we got to back out. Now, again, I'm, I'm actually for people maintaining and walking in boundaries and more. But um, but there's lots of ways to do this, right? When I, I, It was fascinating to me that my children, without me ever telling them, learned that you can make a promise, but if your fingers were crossed, you didn't have to keep that promise. Like just as a kid, this is something that I knew as a kid. And then there's a, a level of higher promises, right? So the fingers crossed, it's amazing, all your hands, your fingers crossed, and you not really have to live up to your promise. But if it's a pinky promise, you have to live up to your promise. So even little kids know that there's like a path to like being dishonest and there's a, um, a path to getting, uh, to, to sealing that with an oath, a pinky promise, right? A pinky promise is not true in all cultures, but in uh, where I grew up and my kids grew up, pinky promise is the most solemn of promises when they're little, right? Because of who we are in Christ though, we always speak the truth. And because of this verse, um, I mean, I, I really, early on told my kids I never lie to them. And so if they say, if they, when they were little, they say, is this going to hurt? And I said, it is, is this going to hurt for just a second? Um, and, and that, and again, that becomes, you know, complex and people have different opinions on this. And I'm, I'm not saying that you need to follow all of my thoughts on this. We're going to look at Jesus' words. But for example, we didn't tell our kids about holiday myths that certain individuals existed um, because we said to them, we didn't want to tell you something that wasn't true. And a lot of this comes from this verse. Um, and this verse is really impacting me so much that I got involved in a lawsuit um, when I was uh, uh, preaching for Charles Stanley. I'll, I'll explain a little bit later on. I was filling in for Charles Stanley. And um, this verse comes up in that lawsuit. So I'll, I'll explain all of those things uh, here as we go through this. But let's let's start by looking first because this is a recurring theme, is number one, is the code from the past, keep your word, but the code from the past. And it says this, it says, again, I, excuse me, again, you have heard, remember he's following this pattern, Jesus is following this pattern. Again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Now, what's interesting here, Jesus actually doesn't quote, directly from the Old Testament. There's no Old Testament passage that says that. Instead, it's kind of a compilation of various passages that address swearing. Swearing as in, not swearing as in profanity, but as in oath-keeping. I swear an oath, right? Um, and so, um, so so it's like taking a vow, taking an oath, right? So, um, and so the idea of oaths actually, it's interesting because in the Old Testament, um, they were kind of like a optional additional um, way of making a commitment. Let me let me quote one scholar. It says, a biblical vow or oath in the Old Testament was an optional, optional above and beyond promise of an offering to God. Um, vows were never required as were basic tithes, as, as were the basic tithes. But once made, a vow was to be kept. Um, and so, unquote. So, so the... Um, the, the idea of this additional, some sort of additional vow, well, let, let's take a look, right? It's um, in 
We see this in the book of Ecclesiastes. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow, because it's not required, right? It's not required. Then you should vow and not pay. So um, making and keeping a vow was something that was much more common then. So it's not something we think of as much now, but we're going to talk about our own applications and challenges with integrity. But Jesus in our passage has condensed all kinds of Old Testament verses from across literary genres, actually, to drive home God's ultimate view and his call to truth-telling, especially as it relates to um, what we might call religious promises, right? So we see this kind of throughout, right? It's, it talks about um, you shall, uh, this is actually repeated, right? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So um, a lot of times we've understood this passage to mean we shouldn't attach God's name with curse words, right? So I, I won't give examples, but they, some come to mind, right? Um, and when we smash our finger with a hammer or we, you know, hit the golf ball wrong. I just played mini golf with the faculty at Wheaton College, so my apologies for the golf reference since that's the last time I've played golf in 10, 15 years. It was mini golf, and I was terrible. But um, in light of Leviticus <clears throat> 19, 11, let me, let me show you, right? So in Leviticus, Leviticus 19, 11, um, it, and, and also and where, where it says, you shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. This is kind of a commentary on Exodus 27, which we ju just looked at, right? So Leviticus 19.11 is a commentary on Exodus 27. So probably our best understanding is that God is instructing in the Ten Commandments that we don't use his name without value. So I'm not saying, I mean, profanity, not good anyway. Um, but it's talked about not using his name in a way that is not tied to the value of who God is. So again, quoting, um, it says, from one scholar puts it, uh, not to make, quote, an oath or a vow of any sort, including profanity, while invoking God if one is not able or going to perform the vow, unquote, right? So, but there's this idea throughout, right, that there's something going on that's foreign to us, it's foreign to our experience, that where it says, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So there's something going on that's unfamiliar to us. Though in some cultures, it, it's still there's still a familiarity to this. So some of you have so many cultures and backgrounds here at Calvary. But the the idea here is 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 um, is that we see God is commanding His people to keep their word. If you make a vow, keep it. If you swear an oath, then make good on an oath. Don't lie. Don't make a pledge or a vow and then go back on it. This is a false oath. So the, the Old Testament, the Mosaic law, uh, forbids kind of these light-hearted or no-commitment oaths, the light-hearted use of the Lord's name. Uh, and then when you put those things together and you use the Lord's name in an oath, which is what he's going to get to. So remember, oaths and vows are not required, but if entered into the vow was binding until it was completed. So Jesus reminds us that uh, God expects us to keep our word. That's what the Old Testament required. And so as always, um, God does not expect from us what he does not do himself. God is not a lying God. Um, 
in Numbers, it says, Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, but humans uh, being made in God's image, right, um, can and sometimes do, but when we understand the image of God, which is really a key theme throughout the book of Matthew, I hope you've picked up thus far, is that humans deserve not to be lied to, right? Because they're made in the image of God, worthy and dignity and respect, therefore don't lie. Um, and, but we can kind of get into the habit when we want to say something serious, we say things like, now, honestly, to be honest, to tell the truth, as if what we said before was just not, you know, so I've been lying up to now. But for the Christian, our word should be the truth always. Don't miss this. There's, uh, there's, um, now I get two people might ask, what about, what about, you know, in war? And I, and there, and I get that, right? So, um, the, there, there are situations, but don't, don't make that, don't make the exceptions, the, the rule, right? We might try to fool our opponents in war, but, um, but I was interested because I, I, my brother is the, uh, acting, uh, federal prosecutor for the Western district of North Carolina. So he's the highest ranking federal law enforcement. And I asked him once, I said, so people do these oaths. Cause I, I, I'm going to tell you why I don't take oaths. Right. So and I said to my brother, does it make any difference? He says, oh, no. Once people swear an oath, they just start lying. Um, but for us, we're called to consistently tell the truth. And that's what we're going to get to number two on our outline, which the command from the Lord is integrity in all things. So the command from the Lord is integrity uh, in all things. And that's, that's key for us not to miss. So we started with number one, the code from the past. Keep your word. Now, number two, the command from the Lord. And you'll see this contrast, right? So over and over again, it's this is what the law, the law code, Mosaic code, uh, but now I've got this. So far, um, nothing seems out of the ordinary. Keep your word. That's not controversial. So what's Jesus reacting to? So remember in this section on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 21 through 47, Jesus is showing his followers six examples. They're not every example, not everything is he addressing, but six examples and how misunderstanding the law leads to insufficient righteousness, so that, like the scribes and the Pharisees. And he's teaching them a better righteousness, a more whole and complete way of living as part of God's kingdom. So after Jesus reminds them of the Old Testament law under consideration, he goes on to say this. And I think this is fascinating, right? So, But it really requires background. But I say to you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Don't take an oath by your head, for you cannot make uh, one hard, white, or black. Um, so what's going on? Why, why, why not take an oath? Why not take an oath? What's the, the, the deal here when it comes to uh, oaths? And um, so what's the big deal? Again, crossing your fingers, a pinky promise, right? But in the Jewish tradition, they had a much more sophisticated, super complicated uh, system of swearing oaths. There's actually an entire section uh, of this in the Mishnah, in the interpretation of the Jewish law, dedicated to understanding and explaining various oaths. So essentially, Jewish uh, tradition permitted persons to break a vow, depending on how it was worded. We haven't gotten there yet, but... Um, when you look later at Jesus' words in Matthew 23, when he chastises the Pharisees for the way they intentionally word their oaths, right? Here's what it says. Woe to you, blind guides. Um, if anyone swears by the temple, okay, so what's going on here, right? If anyone swears by the temple, um, 
and 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 then 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 it says it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by the oath. Okay, so clearly this is a pattern of, well, of some strange things. It says, you blind fools, for which is greater, the gold of the temple, or is made the gold sacred? Now, here's the thing. You look at that, and I totally get that when you hear that. You're like, I have no, I'm not making oaths about this at all, right? So, um, and so, but then it says, uh, and you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone uh, swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by the oath. You blind men. Uh, so, what's the gift of the, the, the altar that makes the gift sacred? Okay, so... Um, so you can see that um, there's a complex system of rule keeping, uh, kind of a scam of the day. The scam, the religion scam of the day lets you make a pledge, a vow, or an oath, but back out of it based on the wording. And if you didn't know the secret rules of what counted and which didn't, well, my fingers were crossed. Well, I swore on this, but not this. You could be left holding the short straw and really out of luck. Uh, again, when I was a kid, we cross our fingers, right? And the scribes and the Pharisees are saying it's okay to cross your fingers behind your back before you make a vow to someone, right? And the end result is, is we don't follow through on our words. So back to the passage under consideration. Jesus identifies that religious leaders were swearing by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem. What's that about? Or the logical conclusion is that these leaders are making religious oaths instead of the using the name of Yahweh they are swearing by lesser things with no intention of fulfilling that oath. Now, I will tell you, this sound this is familiar to me as someone who grew up in an Irish household who would swear by their grandmother's life, who would swear on a stack of Bibles, who would swear on Dublin, you know, uh, whatever else it may be. So Jesus rebukes this kind of thinking, rebuts it by showing that all the things ultimately lead back to God. So it's creator. So you're doing all this sort of stuff. You're swearing by this or by that. By swearing by heaven doesn't go out of your oath, for it's God's throne. Swearing by earth still obligates you because it's God's footstool, right? Swearing by Jerusalem is not out because it's God's city. So, so Jesus is taking, and again, we, we don't swear by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem, though it's strange to us. But Jesus is saying that, well, you know, all those things are ultimately created by God. So Jesus brings it even more closely to home by telling listeners to avoid making oaths, even by their own heads, and their hair, by the way. I, I, I had a typo. It said uh, they're, they're, they're hard. Uh, um, but since they didn't have the power to determine their own hair color, uh, which now we do, but that's another story for another day. But some early Christian commentators believe um, this was a, actually a, teach, a teaching to avoid hair dye. But mm, it's okay. God knows. Don't worry. God knows what your original hair color is. But this verse doesn't mean you don't have to, uh, you know, have the freedom to change it. These verses speak to God's authority over all of life. If you swear an oath, whether by God's name or anything in God's creation, you are bound to fulfill that oath. Um, and so, so some have understood Jesus to prohibit oaths altogether. For instance, I, I just talked to a few minutes ago to um, to to Anabaptists, and um, and they refuse to take oaths based on their understanding of this passage. And I don't think that's fully the point Jesus is making, but it did persuade me. There are instances in the New Testament where people swear to take oaths in the New Testament, right? At Jesus' trial before the high priest and the council, Caiaphas, the high priest, puts Jesus on an oath to tell the truth. And Jesus, apparently under oath, answers. Peter um, Peter tells us in Acts 22.30 that God swore an oath to David that one of his descendants would be Messiah. So Paul uses oath language in many places 
with his elders. Uh, let, let me show. Let me show you. It says, but I call God as a witness against me, uh, except for 2 Corinthians one twenty three, Or in what I'm writing to you before God, I did not lie, right? Or I put you under oath to have you read this letter to the brothers. So I don't think it requires. So Jesus here is dealing with using misleading oaths, but he didn't tend to produce necessarily all oaths. Um, and so again, let me be clear, even though in just a minute I'm going to talk about how I declined to give an oath in court. But, um, but I think, you know, I mean, I, I gave wedding vows, right? So um, oaths of office, right? And more. So the teaching that is not to avoid oaths at all costs, I think, but to be wise about using them and to be the kind of person that you will always speak the truth. And that's what I want us to see in the third and final point of the message today. The charge for disciples, say less, do more. Um, and this passage concludes with a simple application. And it says this in the passage. It says, um, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And this is why we don't, in our house, do some of those holiday myths that we're not mad at people who do. Uh, but this is why um, that, um, for me, so here's the story. I'm driving to go fill in for Charles Stanley one Sunday at First Baptist Atlanta, and I'm in a car accident. Somebody pulls the, uh, um, somebody runs a red light, hits hits another person who bounces off of me, or bounces off of that person, hits me, and um, I get out of the car, and I um, make sure everyone's okay. The person who ran through the light apologized that he just come from the hospital. Um, Someone not for him, but somebody had some bad news. And so I, my pastoral mode goes in. But I also, you know, I took some pictures, which you often do at an accident. Well, months later, I get served in a lawsuit that I'm being sued by the person who apologized. And somehow my bump, anyway. And so they deposed me. And I, at the beginning, said, do you swear to tell the truth and hold truth nothing but the truth? And, 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 and I actually said, well, no, I, I, I affirm that in all things I will be consistently. I didn't say no. I said, in all things I affirm that I'll be consistently truthful. Um, but that's part of what I want to be known for, right? So, so again, um, for me, I wanted to say to them that in all things. And, and what was interesting was we actually, the case got very quickly after my testimony where I said, no, that person said this, and, and we kind of wrapped it up. But I wanted to be, in all things, um, honest and truthful, right? Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment, Proverbs 12, 19 says. So, um, so Jesus really makes this pretty simple. Don't go around making super complicated, dishonest, complicated oaths. Give a yes so the person understands. Give a no so the person understands. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be plain, be understandable, um, no double talk, no trying to weasel around. Um, there, no double talk, no lying, there should be, and, and no long explanations really are necessary, unless, unless sometimes it's necessary to give the facts. Talk less, do more to show integrity, right? And this is such a recurring theme throughout the Bible, right? It says, um, it says, be, be not rash with your mouth. Um, and, and, you know, so, so, okay, that, that, that's good. Be not rash with your mouth. Um, 
uh, nor let your heart be hasty another word before God for heaven for God is in heaven and you are on the earth let your word therefore let your words be few now I will tell you uh, this is not the strength of the extrovert but I will tell you when it comes to issues of integrity this should be your calling and mine if you commit to serve as part of the setup team you should be a part of that if you've committed financially to make a commitment a decision and you have the still have the ability to do so recognize that circumstances could stunningly change uh, but you have a business partner I want your business partner to say she's always honest she's always speaks with clarity and the truth there's no deception in our words and the end result is is people see you as a person who keep your keeps your words why because according to Jesus brother James his half-brother um, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so you may not fall under condemn- condemnation. So um, oaths act like a co-signer on a loan. People with bad or no credit history sometimes are required to get a co-signer. And swearing on behalf of something or someone else is kind of like being a co-signer. It, in, in essence, it says... Like a co-signer says, my credit's not good enough to do with it by myself. So here's on the other side, right? This is, so I, 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 you know, I co-signed on my daughter's lease, right? So she's bad. Now she's dishonest. She didn't have the credit history to do it. So I co-signed on her, on her lease, right? Not saying you should do that. Um, but basically it's an, it's an admission that she doesn't have the credit to, to do this lease. But what, what I want you not to miss is that swearing an oath is basically saying my word isn't good enough, so I need to back it up with an oath to show you I really meant it. It's like a picky promise. But Jesus and James say that believers should be so consistent in their speech that everyone knows they tell the truth all the time. They don't need a cosigner because they can be trusted. So swearing by something, um, you know, in this case, intending to deceive, is actually of evil, right? It's of the evil one. So, but I was sued. I had a choice and I chose not to swear. I'd affirm everything I say is true. Everything I say is true, I I, want to say. So I don't need a special affirmation. So what do we do in Jesus' teaching here? Well, there's a deeper issue at play. Something um, deep within you is a person of integrity. Are you the kind of person who'll keep your word or find yourself getting out of promises or making promises you shouldn't take because you no longer want to keep your word? Don't fall into the trap that plagued Jesus uh, the leadership legislation of Jesus' day, believing no one could, uh, believing they could wiggle out of an oath because it was cleverly worded. Instead, be a person who longs to be and is known as a truth teller. We live in a world where lying is commonplace. Fraud is everywhere. But people just casually lie at work. People casually lie to one another. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we ourselves must be truthful. So don't miss that, right? Don't miss the necessity um, for the call for all of us is the propensity of lie to lie causes people to believe that we can't be trusted and we have need, some need additional level or an oath of a vow to say we'll be honest. But Jesus calls us to a higher standard, to a better righteousness where words are always marked with truth. May we be people of evidenced deeper integrity in our hearts set towards truth And I think the end result is the Lord will be glorified and we will look more like Jesus and that higher righteousness that he calls us to. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge that we hear in this moment. And Lord, we don't have maybe these complicated silly oaths, 
but we have a propensity sometimes to not tell the truth, to find it easier to do a white lie. Lord, remind us that we want to be people of integrity and character at every level and in every way. For it's in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Tell It From Calvary. If you feel led to give toward the local, national, and global ministries of Calvary Baptist, please visit cbcnyc.org slash give or call us at 212-975-0170. We hope you join us next time as we continue to tell it from Calvary.